Hello and welcome back to Techtopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show we have Chris Dancy. He's the mindful cyborg. This is Technotopia. This episode of Technotopia is brought to you by HypeHop. Do you have a project you'd love people to see? A message you want folks to pay attention to? A product that you know people will love? Try HypeHop. HypeHop is a video service that pays your audience to pay attention to your video. Uses a special anonymous facial analysis system to watch users watching your content, and it ensures they are paying attention. Most ad platforms set it and forget it. They throw up video and hope that the audience cares. With HypeHop, you'll know they care. Try HypeHop and embed your HypeHop-enabled video today using HypeHop.com. That's HypeHop.com. HypeHop. Watch. Get paid. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Chris Dancy. Uh, Chris, you're a mindful cyborg. Is that is that how you want to be identified uh, on your tombstone? On my tombstone, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it, got sure. Du- it got dark pretty quickly, but... Uh, yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> so you're fascinating to me. So we were, I think we were chatting on Twitter uh, a little while ago, um, probably about a week ago, and I noticed that you were pro-connect interconnectedness uh, to a degree that is uh, that is, well, I think wild to most people. Um, just the general idea that that we should all be interconnected, that there is no reason for a uh, for a digital detox, that sort of thing. Uh, would that mm. be accurate? <clears throat> I would say that is a really good synopsis yep okay so why don't you tell yeah. us let's let's talk a little bit about that why why don't we need a digital detox well this is difficult john okay i'm sorry <laughs> because a... no 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 i just think there were, there's a really tough conversation to be had around technology okay one that seemed to be avoiding but i think in a nutshell if you have the time and resources to have a digital detox, you probably have too much time and resources. Okay. <laughs> and what I mean is I've been fortunate enough in my career to have gone on a, a 10-day Buddhist retreat. I've been fortunate enough to take times away from technology. And it was extremely stressful at first, like everyone tells you it is. Uh-huh. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think it's a garish display of wealth when you do it. Um so- so like Jack, yeah, it's that like, simple. Yeah, so like Jack Dorsey's little thing where he uh, he he posted about his uh, his meditation retreat, uh, where he basically uh, checked things out in his Patagonia vest while he was looking at his Apple Watch and really enjoying the the melding of the minds with the Atman, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, and I did the Jack Dorsey retreat, except mm-hmm. I didn't do it in 2019. I did it in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it it was profound and provoking. And I think what it happened was when I came quote unquote back online, I realized how disturbing it was to be offline and realized that it led me around a lot of judging of people. You know, why are you staring at your phone? Why aren't you talking to me during dinner? And I became unbearable. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed is this constant theme around the toxicity of technology that enables us a sense of entitlement that, you know, I don't use my device or, you know, it's kind of like the early, you, you've been around tech for long enough that you remember the shame we used to put on people who used AOL ad, addresses. Yep, exactly. Or there's always this level of shame that accompanies kind of a technology discussion. And I think that's driving more unhappiness in the world right now than distraction. Okay, so this is so this is a fascinating point. So I mean, I think I think if you if you want to do an analog, you could basically point to the folks who back in the I don't know sixties and seventies were like, oh, we don't have a TV, we only read books and and light candles and uh, and 
chant or whatever. Uh, there's no, <laughs> we, we don't, we don't give our kids TV, that sort of thing. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, Generation X turned out acceptably well, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I, uh, I would be biased to answer that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm Gen X too. So I understand the, uh, I know, I know. <laughs> I understand the impetus to say that we did it. We're doing okay, <laughs> but, but, uh, but we're not actually, we're not built for that. Our, our brains aren't built for, uh, for self, self, um, uh, self-care, I guess. Anyway, um, so we're talking about a entirely new medium, which is all-encompassing, which, as you say, does get in the way of all sorts of human activity. Mm. Um, but you're saying, let it be. For the time being, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and I don't think I'd say that if we were earlier. I mean, a lot of, I mean, I am wildly popular in, in Europe. I'm kind of like NSYNC. Uh, I've been in the U.S., but they're still not ready for the the messaging. No, no. The, the, the yeah, it's true. I mean, no one's going to have somebody on who says, "Don't get off your phone." Mm -hmm. the, the the problem right now is, if we'd had this talk in 2012, I'd be all for it. Okay, let's take let's take breaks from our phones. But here we are, seven almost ten years, twelve years into this constant connections for people, and too many single moms have to stay in touch with their kids, you know, for twelve hour shifts. Too many couples have to text back and forth to find out if they need things. Uh, too many parents have now enabled geofences or software approval processes for their children. You know, we're, we're basically asking people to decouple the processes that enable their life so that they can have a life. Mm -hmm. And that's just wildly dangerous. I mean, I, I don't know if people would even remember how to parent. If they remember how to parent without these, without these tools? Yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I speak to a lot of people when I travel and I do keynotes where they just tell me my kids do this, da, 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 but everything they're telling me is what they observe through the device. So I, I'd rather have more positive conversations about being connected well than having conversations about being disconnected poorly. Okay. I want to talk about being connected well, but I want to also, I want to also like being on the, and this is, this is a techno-utopianist thing, and I think all technology can fix things, but also I'm a, as a parent, I watch <laughs> my son sit there or my kids sit there and use YouTube or TikTok or whatever for 12 hours a day. Is yeah. that a way to go? Is that, is that okay? Uh, or should I, should I affect yeah, some sort I mean, of control? I, ha I, ha I have an eight-year-old that is mm -hmm. under my care, and yep. I completely understand. Um, there are th certain things we do with the technology that enable the you know, processes to be better. We can't address any of the AI without saying please and thank you. Uh, if they want to be on the, the device, they're on the device. If, at a certain time limit, I, I'll actually interject and, and sit down with them and ask what they're doing and explore it with them. Instr interestingly enough, when I pay attention to the kid, the kid doesn't want the device. Mm -hmm. uh, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell people how to parent their kids. But like you, my father said, don't play Atari, don't watch TV, mm -hmm. all these things. Um, I think we're underestimating the resiliency of people and emotions when we try to control these things and not let people develop naturally with them. Can I give you a really good example of this? Go for it. Uh, I'm a 50-year-old gay man. I just got married uh, last year. Congratulations. Thank you. Single my whole life. Mm -hmm. and I got married, instant family, the whole bit. And my husband is significantly younger than I am. He's uh, 28. School teacher. And... For, for the first six months we were dating, he would send me, we've been under three years now, he'd send me 
selfies. And I, I just thought, why is he sending me a selfie every day? I'm like, this is just really creepy. I know what he looks like. I think he's attractive. So finally, one night over dinner, I was just like, you know, I don't want to sound harsh. And I really try to not judge people on how they use technology. But I don't need a picture every day. I know it's, it's, it's sweet, it's endearing, and you're so handsome. But it makes me kind of uncomfortable. And he said, why? I'm like, I don't know, because I almost feel like I have to send you one back. And I think that's where, and he goes, but they're not selfies. I said, what do you mean they're not selfies? Look. And he goes, it's a live photo. Press on it. And I said, well, it looks like a live photo, but it's still, he goes, no, no, no. And what he was doing was in every single photo for the first six months we were together, he would, you change the keyframe. So if I were to play the photo after the keyframe, he would whisper, I love you or mm-hmm. blow me a kiss. And I, I totally underestimated that because this was natural to him to embed emotions in the technology. Uh And it just, it blew my mind. And at that point I realized, no, love is faster than technology. You can do all you want with it, but the love is going to be there. And it was the shame that was getting in the way. And from that point on, I just started talking more openly, especially with younger people, because they have all these new ways of emoting that are cybernetic for lack of a better term. Um, And I just don't want to get in the way of it. So that's fascinating. So that's, yeah, I mean, I have, I have, I've haven't dated quote unquote since I guess 298. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't actually understand. I don't understand half I this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's, that's a really, really fascinating point. And I think that, I think that whole idea, I mean, I guess Snapchat, Snapchat was a direct reaction of always being photographed, always mm-hmm. having a photograph of yourself somewhere. And if I was mm. able to create a uh, ephemeris photograph, ephemeral photograph, um, that I can send to somebody I love or somebody I'm just hanging out with, uh, that's far superior to just sending some kind of permanent record of our relationship, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So. Yeah. So. I mean, yes. I mean, yeah. You know, I don't want to, you know, be all kind of touchy feely or or I still don't want to be overly dark. But I, I, I am excited about where we're heading. And I'll just finish off this little part with one more thing. I don't think we're all looking at phones in a decade. Mm -hmm. I think we're also in a really passing phase where in a decade, most of us will wear it (laughs) on our wrist or in our ear or talk to it. I I just don't see a lot of people staring at their phones, stumbling down the street in 2029. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's the the, been the consensus so far that the idea that this little piece of glass that we're carrying around with us is no longer going to be with us. It's going to be inside of us somehow. Does the, yeah. does the, does the tree grow around the object or does mm. the object intrude upon the tree? I guess you could, I guess mm. I'm asking in this, in this case, like, do, do we grow around this technology and does it become part of us or does it bother us? Is it? I think, I, I think without question, it's, it's symbiotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently there are a lot of things I can no longer do well, uh, on my own unaided, um, just because of how long I've been connected. I mean, if you Google most connected, mm-hmm. almost every country in the world, I come right up, you know, for all the hundreds of sensors and things I used for a decade to mm-hmm. kind of navigate my life. But I, I don't carry that around anymore as something, as a badge of honor. I carry it around as, well, this is just, I'm just enabled, right? You know, someone who has a hearing aid or a prosthetic arm or something. I mean, these are all symbiotic relationships with technology. So for me, uh, I, I'm excited that a lot of people I know are augmented in some new and unusual ways. I just wish we could talk about it in ways that are healthier. <laughs> what does it take? What does it mean to talk about them in ways that are healthier? What do we have to, how do we have to discuss them? Well, 
first off, we need to, I think there's, I think I I read too many articles around addiction. Uh, People are addicted to technology Mm -hmm. and distraction. People are distracted to, I mean, I understand those are easy and simple things to label, but I've been in drug rehabs. I've been in jails. I've been through 12-step programs. I'm familiar with the terms addiction and distraction. And I can tell you, using your phone too much isn't an addiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might have addiction signals there. But you can get dopamine from watching flowers grow uh, hits. So, I mean, this this concept of we have to keep labeling everything a pathology related to technology is really dangerous. So that's like the first step. Let's let's unbundle uh, pathology from tech use. Okay. Let's stop that. I think the second step is we need to be very clear and deliberate when speaking to each other about how we use our technology. Uh, you know, so often I've been in vehicles with, with two or three other people and everybody's got their GPS going as if somebody's GPS is going to stop functioning and we need redundant <laughs> systems, right? <laughs> and I think instead of that, you know, just saying, hey, does everyone feel safe now that they can tell where we're going and how fast we're getting there, right? So just having more of a dialogue. I mean, I love to shoulder surf on subways. I love seeing what people are using and how they're using it. Um, something I do at conferences all over the world is something called foam palmistry, where People stand in line sometimes for hours, hand me their phone, I look at their home screen, and based on their apps, I tell them what type of life they're leading, and they fall apart as if I'm (laughs) some type of magician, right? And it's just like, I don't think these things are particularly difficult, but I do think you need to have a really, really pro-positive slant on people to do them. Um, Because I know before I became this way, you know, around 2015, I really was very negative toward a lot of people. I uh-huh. just found them to be inefficient or slow or time-wasting. I mean, anything that was less than optimized in another organic system, you know, or biological or human. Uh-huh. I thought, okay, that's terrible. But then I was just like, no, what's – gosh, these – I'm becoming so obsessed with instant that I no longer see the beauty in not perfect. So slowly it's been an evolution. I mean, I'm in almost five years now really trying to find the beauty of our relationship with all of these things. And I just, I'm not seeing it in the media, I guess, a whole lot. It's very sad for me. Does, <laughs> I does miss that, it. Does that feeling come with age? And I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to say you're old. No. Yeah. It just, it just no, You're came. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, hit around 46. So, I mean, I would say part of it was age. Um, and I'll never know because I don't get to be 50 again, uh-huh. um, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think some of it's nostalgia, some of it's age. But I mean, I, I just don't want to be that one person saying, let's stop staring at our phones and talk to each other and have real conversations. I, I'm. It's so, so, so scary for me. I'm hearing too much of that. Uh-huh. But I guess, no, well, hold on. So I, I guess, I guess, I guess that's absolutely right. You're basically, you're basically judging somebody for, for essentially yeah. wanting to be communicating with somebody else at the same time they should be communicating, should be communicating with you. Um, but in many cases, that's the reason why you're on your phone is because, I don't know, some there's some fire you have to put out somewhere else before you can actually relax for a second and, and sit down and talk to the person in front of you. Would you, would you, argue, would you agree? Absolutely agree. And I also think that we really have this idea of attention backward. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm speaking to you, John, and we're across each other at a restaurant, and you pick up your phone and you start texting someone. And I were to say to you, could, could you please pay attention to me? I think the person with the attention problem is me. Mm-hmm. I need yours. It's not that you don't have it. I'm demanding you to, to switch, mm-hmm. right? 
you know, the, the whole fourth wall and, and, and TV when they break it, right? People love that because suddenly they get the attention. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's, no, it's the irony is not lost on me that as people stared at their screens, we love the screens actually looking back at us. Mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey did more for iPhone addiction than he did for the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because when you break that wall, you suddenly see, okay, there's a relationship here too. So again, I, I always try to tell people, especially in meetings, you know, right up front, if you have to use your phone, I'm not going to think twice about it. Please don't sneak to the bathroom, mm-hmm. right? I spent a year going to the bathroom to check text messages and at dinner. There's just no need. I, and I think... Again, I don't know. Your kids aren't texting you, John. I don't know that you don't have a deadline. Let's talk about that. I mean, I think Jack's doing wonderful things with his retreat, but you know, I really wish he'd talk more about the dynamics of what conversation looks like digitally. Uh-huh. He tried with the Kara Swisha debacle a couple weeks ago where he tried to have a conversation on Twitter and it fell apart. Well, I mean, I think uh, Twitter, Twitter and, those, and those tools kind of trigger, they can trigger a connection. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can do a back and forth chat, I think, and I've, I've met lots of folks on Twitter, and I've met lots of folks on, on Facebook, etc. Um, but I think something like what we're doing right now, and for all I know, you're, you're browsing in multiple windows or whatever, uh, <laughs> but, I, but my, my goal here is to actually have a conversation about technology that nobody else is having, and to have it in a, in a fairly compact way so people can, can pay a little bit of attention and then come away with something important. How do we, how do we prevent... Um, the rise of the completely, as we get more connected, we're getting a, we're getting almost a generation of usually young men who are so uber connected that they are disconnected from realities around them. And what do you get from that? You get the otaku culture, uh, you get, uh, you get alt-right, you get, uh, incels, incels, you get all these weird subcultures, which you could argue that we've always had these. There's always been some guy who, to, who's been uh, like, what's his name? Uh, R. Crumb's uh, brother, the guy who was the uh, Robert Crumb's brother, the guy who was the yogi and was sitting on, uh, sitting on beds of nails and not eating for, for 50 <laughs> years. Um, those folks have always existed, but in this case, they can all, they can all uh, conglomerate around um, a central place. How mm. do we, how do we keep that from happening? Or do we not, what do we not keep that from happening? I think it's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think there's any going back. I, again, I, I look at the rise in some of the movements lately. I mean, even the, you know, re-judgment of Michael Jackson, right? Uh, it it's all comes down to if we're going to create these niches for people to crawl into and find their tribe, we can't decry the loss of humanity when everyone's on a, in, a, in, a, in a huddle, a digital <laughs> huddle with everyone that agrees with them. I mean, Literally, we've created it. It's not like there's going, we can't go back. So, you know, for me, I'd rather make these little huddles, you know, more appropriate, shine some more light in there, bring some more diverse opinion. Um, and I didn't think, think people would do that. I, I loved when you said, you know, I hope you're not browsing Windows. I'm not. I'm talking to you directly. I'm staring right into a microphone, actually, as I speak. But you said something right after that. You said compact. And I think that's also a big problem right now is people really have become so obsessed with their schedules, they no longer value their time. Mm-hmm. And I think this idea that we're multitasking and doing all these other things is just like how much can you pump into your head at once? Mm-hmm. And, and there's no – Let's. I'd rather talk about that. I mean, you know, what would it take for you to just listen to a podcast and do nothing else? What's missing from the podcast? And, you know, if people are flexing some 
new skills, you know, where they can <laughs> input, then, you know, maybe that's something to study, but I you, don't know. You, you, don't, you don't think we've all gone X-Men and, uh, and are now able to bring in 15, 15 uh, vapor trails at once, I guess? I mean, I do have a theory about that as okay. someone who's uber connected, uh, but has but it has more to actually do with time. I do believe we're kind of living through what I call time collapse, uh, where linear time has completely been peeled off of humanity. You know, the minute I saw McDonald's serving 24 hour breakfast five years ago, I'm like, OK, <laughs> time doesn't exist. I used to have to race for that 1030 slot. Right. And it just it, it just doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah, um, I do think there are some new skills coming on and maybe these new groups you're talking about will serve a role uh, of some sort. Again, I have no idea what the future looks like uh, other than what I've a little bit I've glimpsed living very connected. Okay. Where are you going to be next? I see you're going to be at South by uh, in a couple in a couple days, quite literally, right? Quite literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm at South by and then I'm taking April off and then I'm heading to Europe for uh, some events in May, June and early July uh, and then off for the summer and then back in Europe. I do a lot in Europe. The in- Europe's really interesting because, um, A, their idea of privacy is so different than ours. Mm-hmm. Their idea of, you know, what people can share and not share is so different. Um, so I-, I just do a lot of talks and a lot of keynotes and a lot of press over there. So Unfortunately, if you want to see me, I have to be over there. I am doing a couple events here in the United States uh, in the fall for the first time in a while. Uh, oh, and I'm doing a, a postgrad class up at Dartmouth in oh, April. Okay. Why, why do you think Europe is, is different before we go? Um, I, I, I personally think it's a social safety net. I mean, people can literally be more less private so more of their life can be shared mm-hmm. uh without them worrying about the repercussions of you know mm. uh, of that you know I, I think the shrinking middle class is tied to the loss of privacy uh you know I, i've been super super poor where i lived in my car my parents the whole bit and you know you don't have any privacy at that point nothing everything you do is monitored in a system of some sort and i've done really well you know making a half a million couple million dollars a year and I can tell you right now, the privacy only mattered in the middle. Mm-hmm. The only time you thought of it, the social safety, the social safety net in Europe really does an amazing job of kind of allowing people to have much more nuanced discussions around privacy uh, than here in the United States. America's like, I need my privacy, but please give me my cup of free fruit and my software that no one, you know, pays for. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I think Europe's just a little bit more advanced that way. The organization of Europe. Uh, governments and things, things like GDPR. I mean, that's going to crush Europe. But the people right now haven't figured out that figured that out. So okay. they're still they're still open with everything. Oh, all right, all right. Well, this has been fascinating, Chris. Thank you for this. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to reading and seeing more of what you're up to. Oh, thank you. Can I send you a book? Yeah, perfect. That'd be great. And what's what's the what's thank the title you. of the book? Why don't we tell people where to get it? <laughs> the book I should have sent it to you uh, before we chatted today. Sorry about that, John. Um, the book here, is right? called Yeah, Don't Unplug: uh, How Technology Saved My Life and Can Save Yours Too. All right, and it's at Barnes and Noble and all fine internet sites. Barnes and Noble I, apparently it just uh, it just shut down, I guess. So where there's going to be a so we're going to have to get them on uh, Amazon or whatever, right? Did they just shut down? Something like that, I think. Yeah, I, I read something like that. It looks like the it looks like our one great hope for a for a nationwide uh, book chain is probably going to be gone but then uh, then you can always go into the smaller book chains and uh, or the bookstores and yeah. actually enjoy yourself 
Hmm, a small little space with people with too many ideas hanging out. <laughs> hmm, I wonder. Hmm. Never okay. seen that before. Chris? Never saw that before. <laughs> Thank you very much for this. This has been amazing. Thank you, John. This is Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the Internet in a fun new way or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Technotopia is also sponsored by Jaywalk. Jaywalk is a new app that pays you to walk. You can try it out at jaywalk.me. It's created by me, John Biggs, and a few of my friends. jaywalk.me, please check it out.